to Totalus Rankium. This week, Eudopsia. Welcome to Roman Empress It has Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 142. Yeah, it is. Um, it's Eudocia. She's, um, uh, she's something to do with Constantine 10, if I remember correctly. I, I'm impressed, considering up until about 30 seconds ago you thought well, we yeah. were doing an American yeah, president episode. Yeah, uh, no prep. Just yeah, that was just something just, off the top of my just head, on your fingertips. No, 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 no cheats or anything. Yeah. Just straight out yeah of course the uh the joke that you're waving your notebook around there would be better if this wasn't an audio podcast it's very subtle humor i'll be honest <laughs> you're hoping it will somehow come across in your voice yeah yeah uh, just the essence of the book <laughs> yes. will come across in, in the vowels i choose i yeah. like it so yes it's eudocia jamie that's who we're yeah, doing it today it's uh like i said at the end of last episode a short episode this week yeah in terms of rating the person. Uh, however, we're then going to uh, briefly, at the end of the episode, do a bit of a recap with what's going on with the Turks in the Ooh. East. Because for quite some time I've been talking about these Turks. and I mean, who well, are they? Do you know who no, they are? Well, no. No, well, it's time That's to true. remedy that. But in this episode, I'm going to do something I've never done before. You're going to smile at me occasionally. <laughs> sort of a dead stare. Yeah. Even when I'm laughing, it's just a cold, yeah. dead stare. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pre-rank her of what I think she'll achieve with both of us. And then I'll see how close I am at the end. But but I'm not allowed to edit my score so it reflects what I think the score will be. You're giving her the score yeah, now? Yeah, and then I'll see how close we are at the end see if I'm correct. Oh, wow, right. You, re- I thought you meant when we were going along you were going to make oh, your judgments. No, I'm going to do it right talking. now. I'm going to put no. what I think as a prediction right, okay. and then we'll see how close I am. Okay, no, I like yeah. this. It's a good it's a good game. Keeping yeah. it fresh. And at home, you know? please feel free to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you gonna ta- no no don't tell me. Yeah, Reveal no, at the end. Yeah. So I've written it in pen on the side of my page, so I'll just I'll flash it. Okay, right, Eudocia, here we go. Uh, to begin with, uh, who? Eudocia? Why are we doing an episode Good on question. her? I hear some people ask. Uh, well, to put it bluntly, why wouldn't we be doing an episode on Eudocia? Yeah, she doesn't really appear on any of the, the lists. Uh, she she's not, for example, on the list of Roman or Byzantine emperors on Wikipedia, Ooh. but she should be. Just like with Zoe One, for example, mm. the wife of Leo the Wise, who came into power uh, in a very similar way, my justification is the same. Yes, Eudocia is a regent holding power until her son comes of age, uh, but just imagine just for a moment that, for example, an uncle was made regent. There would be no question of whether he got an episode or not. Has it ever been the case where we've actually done that, though? As in, has there, has there been a region where we thought, no, we're not going to give them an episode because they were only a region? Once in series okay. one. The one time where I, I regret it slightly, but it was uh, before any women had been deemed emperor. Yeah. Uh, so that precedent hadn't been broken And yet. also, it's quite nice to give, you know, to give credit where it's due if there's a female emperor then they're quite rare let's celebrate that yeah exactly it's like if we can do an episode let's yeah. do one uh, uh so so we are but i it really isn't a token episode uh, i would argue uh, as Celis himself says in fact and i quote when the Empress Eudocia, in accordance with the wishes of her husband succeeded him as supreme ruler she did not hand over the government to others Far from choosing to spend most of her life in idleness at home, while the magistrates had charge of public affairs, she assumed control of the whole administration in person. Mm. I mean, you don't get much clearer than that. Eudocia was in charge, according to someone who was literally working in the palace at the time. She deserves to be on the list. I'm not sure why she's not in most lists. And we know how accurate Celis is in the past, so, you know. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll get into that in a bit. Okay, so... With that um, perhaps uh, not needed justification, (laughs) we start in 1020, roughly. Future patriarch of the city and rising star in the church, Michael Corralla Rios, if I'm I'm not saying that right, but let's just just say I am. Anyway, uh, Michael, (laughs) future patriarch Michael, had a sister, and this sister married into another powerful family, the Macrambolites. Oh, I can only imagine yeah. the spelling for that. <laughs> Greek names. Um, 
Yeah, anyway, this couple had a daughter in approximately 1020, and her name was Eudocia. <gasps> That's the name of the emperor in this episode. Yes, there we go. And that's all we know about her early childhood and early life. So I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, related to a future patriarch. There we go. Uh, We can make some inferences. She would have been comfortable. She came from a rich family. Uh, But as with women in powerful families of the time, her future would have been decided for her, most likely. Uh, Women were used almost always in this class as a political bargaining chip in the power plays of the families of the powerful. As we saw with Zoe too, if you remember, she was forced to marry several times for political convenience. Uh, now, not being the princess of the empire, presumably Eudocia would have had slightly less pressure than, say, Zoe too did. Uh, but it still would have been typical of a woman in her class for a political marriage to be made for her. Yeah. That said, because of a couple of fortunate relationships and some quirks of history, we actually get a little bit of information about this marriage that then occurs. Mm. Because Eudocia's father was a very good friend of none other than, you've guessed it... Salus. Of course. On top of this, when Eudocia was younger than the age of 30, and she was married into the powerful Ducas family, to be precise, Constantine Ducas, or Constantine X, uh, Constantine also happened to be a very good friend of, you've guessed it... Salus. So Eudocia's father and new husband are both good pals with uh, Salus. So, very, very much chums. And... According to Salus, Eudocia as well. So all all friends together in the same social groups yeah. they are. Not just part of the powerful, but the same faction of the powerful. Do you think they all did the same like really dodgy joke of, uh, hey, come on, sell us another story. Ha 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 ha. Yes, I bet they all did. And just, Salus just got really annoyed with them and ended up avoiding them. I think Salus laughed harder and longer than anyone <laughs> else every single <laughs> Almost time. Almost to an awkward degree. Yeah. Celis, a clever man, figured that the best way to get people to stop making that joke was to just keep yeah. laughing an uncomfortably long time every single time it was made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like cool. that. In fact, just sitting there listening to that, it's an uncomfortable thing to go through because you start off going, I just said something funny and I've made someone laugh and you feel good about yourself. Then it just carries on going for a little bit and you go, hang on, is this sarcastic? Are they mocking me? And then you feel uncomfortable. But then you get to the third stage, which is, oh dear, (laughs) what if it's not sarcastic laughter? What if he really finds it this funny? Just oh, <laughs> start edging away. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. But yeah, that definitely okay. happened. Anyway, uh, Constantine, Constantine Ducas was around 15 years older than Eudocia. Uh, this would have been fairly typical for the day. It presumably would have been seen as a good match between the two families. Now, because we've heard of the Ducas family quite a bit before, it's tempting to view them as the more prestigious family, the ones who are. Uh, perhaps not getting as much out of the marriage. But don't forget, Eudocia's uncle becomes the patriarch when she's about 20, so maybe around the time they get married. So both families probably would have seen themselves as getting something out of this relationship. It's all right. And also, bonus, as far as we can tell, the two seem to be happy together. And we we get so few accounts of what relationships were like. Uh, it's quite nice that we get a couple of clues this oh. time. Uh, Salus doesn't give us any direct information. Uh, he doesn't, like, recount tales of them skipping through the gardens together, holding hands oh. or anything. What they did, though. Uh, well, maybe maybe they did, because we get a couple of clues. For example, he independently recounts how good the couple were with their children. Uh, two separate times he mentions the uh, stories of, of both father and mother getting on well with their children. Um, so you get a feeling that maybe good family times were had. Maybe not, though. Yeah, maybe maybe mother and father only communicated with the children. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't tell your dad he's an idiot. <laughs> but but parent and child got on well during that. So That's it's good, fine. Yeah. No, as far as we can tell, they do seem to get on. Uh, they do. Uh, due to Celis's connection to Eudocia's father, Celis uh, describes the relationship between himself and Eudocia as an almost uncle and niece relationship. Right. Whereas Constantine, interestingly, is more described as a firm friendship. I'm calling it now. I think Celis had the hots yeah. for her. It does, it does come through a little bit. 
in the text. I mean, you've got to not just read between the lines, but then start speculating about reading between the lines you've just read. Between. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, again, we, we'll get into that a little bit more later. But yeah, interestingly, because Celis has been with us for so long as a source now, it's very easy to forget his age. I had to go and double check this when I heard him talk about Eudocia as a, a sort of niece to him. And it made me think, oh, well, older man and younger friend, uncle, niece, yeah. maybe. Constantine's 15 years older. So friends with Constantine, Eudocia's a sort of niece figure. I went and checked the ages. Uh, Celus is only a couple of years older than Eudocia. Really? Yeah. But he's been yeah. around for ages. Uh, he has, but uh, things have been happening quite rapidly for okay. a while. He's been to yeah. battle and spoken uh, to the enemy, and yeah, yeah, he's been around for a while. Uh, but also, don't forget, he also wrote about people before his lifetime okay. as well. So when we first started using Celis, he wasn't alive Fair then. Uh, but yeah, um, so you've got an older Constantine, friends with a younger Celis, who is roughly the same age as Eudocia, hmm. and yeah, they're all good friends. Anyway, over the next few years, Constantine and Eudocia have several children. Seven, in fact. Michael was first. Michael Seven, people used to call him at school. Weird. Yeah, it was. There were another six Michaels in his class, that's why. <laughs> uh, and then came Andronicus and Anna. And another boy, whose name I could not figure out. Uh, but he dies oh. soon after Constantine becomes emperor. If you remember when Constantine became emperor, uh, one of their children died quite early on. No. <laughs> I believe in the pause then. Uh, that, that was a good checking of your notes. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. They've got, a, they've got a family now with children and everything. Uh, and then, as we saw in the last episode, uh, very little is known about what Constantine gets up to during this time. And so, as you can imagine, even less is known about Eudocia. Yeah. Uh, they would have been a prominent family in The Powerful. They would have spent their time pulling strings, attempting to be on the right side of any, I don't know, plots to bring down the empire yeah. kind of thing. Uh, the reign of Theodora and Michael VI the Old come to an end, and Isaac took the throne in a coup in 1057. Uh, Eudocia would have been in her late 30s by this okay. point. And if we could believe Celis, her husband was powerful enough and popular enough that many in the city wanted him to take charge when Isaac staged his coup, but Isaac just ignored this and took over anyway. But as we've seen, Isaac then very quickly became ill. He didn't last long at all. And Celis managed to manoeuvre his friend into the top job. Yeah, he did. And we get nothing on Eudocia during this time either. Uh, we know that she was pregnant shortly after Constantine becomes emperor. Celebrating the victory? Yeah, uh, because a fourth son was born. And soon after that, like I say, one of the earlier sons dies. Yeah. So, there we go. More children on the way. Another girl was born soon after this as wow. well. Wow. So there we go. Six children alive. Seven children in total. Nice big they family. They are pounding them out, aren't they? Uh, this is actually fairly typical. Well, yeah. uh, it's just uh, we usually don't get any detail at all. It's only because we've got Celis there who knows the family. Mm. We actually get learn things like names and stuff, so I'm able to put them in. Yeah. But uh, if anything, it, what is unusual is how few children die. with only one death. Yeah. Um, I mean, as we've seen, right up until pretty much modern times in our American yeah. series, children dying is just depressingly common in history. Yeah. Still, anyway, despite the very few details we get, we do get the impression that Eudocia was a very hands-on empress. For example, she was there on the day of the rubbish coup, the one with the boat, remember? Oh, yeah. So the whole family were there as uh, the other boat was just nudging them with their oars, pretending to be yeah. a storm. Come on to our boat. Yeah, Please. exactly. So, yeah, the family were all there. Um, however, just like Isaac before him, Constantine soon becomes ill. His health fluctuated for a while. The first time that he looked seriously ill, he apparently made his brother John. This is John Ducas. Remember, there's also another brother, John Komnenos, that I told you to keep an eye on last episode. Uh, he doesn't come up again in this episode, but just know that there are a few Johns floating about that you need to keep an eye on. Got both their names, yeah. Yeah, so that is Isaac's brother, John. He's still hanging around. And now we've got Constantine's brother, John. John Ducas. Well. Anyway, John Ducas is made Caesar. He's now the heir. And the children are also placed in his care. Not just his care, but also under the care of the current patriarch, Zephilinus. It was like a kind of, oh, spiritual guidance from the patriarch. Right. And uh, brother John can look after their well-being. Okay. Because Constantine's looking on the ropes here. However... 
He then recovered somewhat, Yay. which was nice. Uh, but that did not last long, no. which was sad. Yeah. yeah. And when he next became ill, and people really feared for his life this time. I mean, they feared last time, but this time it was, like, really scary. Uh, and all of a sudden, he made a different decision. And I'll quote, On this occasion, he entrusted all his duties to his wife, Eudocia. In his opinion, she was the wisest woman of her time, and he thought that no one else was better qualified to educate his sons and daughters. So he had a change of heart. Instead of uh, entrusting the children to his brother, he entrusted the children to their own mother, which says something about the times. He really does. So so is now James Ducas no longer the heir? John Ducas. No, he, uh, he is... Uh, he is Caesar, but remember, it's no longer the case of you've got emperor and then Caesar is the heir. At the moment, in this time of history, it's you've got senior emperor and then you've got junior emperors. So actually, Michael is technically emperor at this point, little son. Emperor seven. Michael uh, seven. Yeah. yeah. So technically, he's co-emperor, but we're not judging it like that because they're just using that for more stability. Right. So the real heir is Michael seven. Okay. Uh, the Caesar is like the the backup. Uh, okay, in case anything bad yeah. happens uh, to Michael Seven. Exactly, but yes, John is still Caesar. He doesn't lose that, but it's interesting that he loses control of the children. Mm. Eudocia seems to be given a more prominent role. We're not given any reason why. Uh, maybe Eudocia wasn't too pleased by the <laughs> fact that last time Constantine was ill, he said something along the lines of "the only person I trust my children to is my brother." So he's acting like he's had a damn good talking to them. <laughs> Possibly there was a conversation between his two illnesses, and uh, yeah. Constantine had a change of heart. <laughs> now I think about it. <laughs> Uh, so, is Sallus the only source of this information, or is this generally accepted and as as truthful? Sallus is, is our Salus... main source, but we do, of course, have Italiates, and we'll get into that uh, more next episode. To be fair, um, but okay. let's not let's not go into that now. Uh, but it does right. become interesting <laughs> having those two sources. Anyway, the fact is that Constantine's about to die. He knows he's about to die, and he needs to make some plans, because his dynasty, his brand new dynasty, is is looking very shaky. Michael isn't a small boy anymore, but it's not seen that he's old enough to rule in his own right. So, he makes a couple of decisions. First of all, he insists that several family members swear oaths in front of the Senate. What kind of oaths? Like, serious ones. These, This is Roman times. People took their oaths seriously. Okay. You, you couldn't just cross your fingers behind your back and just pretend it no. hadn't happened. John was first, his brother. John swore that he would recognise no other emperor but Constantine's sons. Okay. And he said that in front of everyone, in front, in front of all the powerful of the city. So it's in stone now. Uh, essentially, yeah. And he can't go back on it no matter what. That's true. Yeah. Next up, Eudocia. She swore yeah. in front of everyone. <laughs> Son of a... She swore that she would never wed again. Because obviously if she gets married, then that could give oh, legitimacy yeah. to her new husband. Ooh. Yeah. So she's promising that now. Yeah. So that is brother John. I will recognise no other emperor. And that is wife Eudocia. I will not remarry. Uh, with right. this utterly secure, Constantine smiled to himself yeah. that his legacy was forever safe. And then cocked it. Brilliant. Yeah. Five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into Eudocia's rule, shall we? Uh, she's now in charge. Celus, admittedly biased, as you have uh, already pointed out, has nothing but praise to begin with. Ooh. Oh, yes. I quote, She made herself conversant with all her duties, and wherever it was practical, she took part in all processes of the government. The choices of the magistrates, civil affairs, revenues, and taxes... Her pronouncements had the note of authority which one associates with an emperor. Nor was this surprising, for she was in fact an exceedingly clever woman. Fair enough. So high, pra high praise from Sellus, who, as we have seen before, is not always the most complimentary towards the ladies of Constantinople. Absolutely not. No. So, by the looks of things, she sets herself up and she starts ruling in her husband's stead and seems to be doing a very good job of it. Uh, mm. Whenever she was performing her duties, her two eldest sons were either side of her. Now, what's interesting is Michael's age. Have a guess how old Michael is. 
43. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing from your tone above the age that... Well, what what have you been thinking up until this point? Well, I was thinking quite a young child. So, I don't know. I know I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying this, I know I'm wrong, but I'm thinking of the age of like five or six. Yeah, yeah. And that's understandable you'd think that because you need a regent yeah. in place. Uh, Michael's 18. Oh. Roughly. It oh. Might, might have been 17, but yeah, he's 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 old enough to be an emperor in his own right. Uh, yeah. Celus puts it, long past boyhood, and able to think for himself. Maybe he doesn't want to be, though. Maybe just, like, uh, I just want to drink alcohol and meet lots of women. Well, uh, apparently there doesn't appear to be uh, any tension. Apparently this seems to be the case that Eudocia said, not yet, son, you still need a bit of training to be a really good emperor, so watch what I do. Remember what your father did, and then uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see on your next birthday. How about that? Let's give it another thirty years. And see how it goes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Celis tells us that Michael paid close attention to his mother, almost in awe of her. Eudocia either was a, a very uh, charismatic, magnetic woman, or, as you mm. say, Celis just had a bit of the hots for her, because uh, yeah. he very much does praise her a lot. Uh, more so than I've seen anyone else apart from possibly Constantine X. Uh, he mm. he just loves the couple, but he was good friends with them both, so it makes sense. Yeah. Did you think there's a point where he gets spurned, and that's when it goes, he well, gets, well, well, <laughs> doesn't like well, We'll get to it, we'll get to it. Anyway, Eudocia <laughs> uh, would apparently frequently send Michael off to Celis for lessons, which Michael did so without grumbling, uh, occasionally taking mm. his younger brother with him so they could learn lessons from the wise man. Uh, we know that the the lessons were very good, because Celis tells us so, uh, obviously. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. So, things seem to be going very well, and then something happens. Oh, hey, John. No, not John. Oh, no. Not okay. John, no. Uh, now, obviously, our main source is Celis. He was close to Eudocia. I'll quote again. I do not know whether any other woman ever set such an example of wisdom or lived a life comparable to hers. However he suddenly comes across as quite bitter. Ooh. I will not go as far to say that she became less wise, only that she lost some of her old precision. Her ideas changed as she grew older. You just know he was a bunch of flowers in hand, Yeah. box of chocolates on one knee. Our good friend Constantine's died. Let me comfort yeah. you, Eudocia. And yeah. also... You are but a woman, so let me actually rule the empire in your stead, kind of thing. You can see it happening, can't yeah. you? I'm I mean, the man for you, please. We are we're fully in the realm of speculation here, but I, this is how I'm seeing it. I really am. Oh yeah, you're always best toga as well. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it would seem, reading between the lines, that Eudocia did not find Celus as indispensable as her husband had, because she was suddenly receiving reports and making decisions on things without Celus being involved, and Celus mm. was not pleased, because Eudocia was receiving word on the problems of the eastern border. You know those Turks that I keep mentioning? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, it really is a problem, and people are starting to realise this. It became very clear that something has to be done here. There was... I, bet, I bet they're looking at Constantinople going, this would be a great city. <laughs> yes. we could give it 400 years, we could have this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a very real chance at this time uh, that large portions of the empire were about to be lost. I mean, the, the defences to Anatolia had, had been shattered. Uh, right. The, the Turks could, in theory, just walk in and start taking it. And the current emperor was a woman and a young and experienced man. And Eudocia knew enough about politics to realise that this probably isn't enough to face the threat. Uh, the yeah. Empire needed a strong military emperor that the troops would follow without any questions. And unfortunately, yeah. that's not what they've got at the time. So, Eudocia sets in motion a plan to get a new emperor, one that the troops would follow. She realises that she can't do it herself. She realises that her son can't do it. So rather than trying to push her family forward regardless... She does what's good for the Empire and tries to get a new Emperor. There's only one real way of doing that, isn't there? What's that? Getting married. Oh, yes. Now, all of this was done without Celis's knowledge. He knew nothing. Ooh. Oh, yes. Oh, he must have been so bitter as well. <laughs> well, he got some clues to begin with. Uh, one day, he was... <laughs> the big ceremony. <laughs> 
the the polite notice telling him to cease and desist. <laughs> Stop talking to me, Silas. Uh, one day he prayed aloud uh, in front of Eudocia that Eudocia would enjoy power for as long as she lived. Eudocia was standing in front of him at the time and suddenly turned round and told him, I hope it will not be my fate to enjoy power so long that I die an empress. Ooh. Yeah, so already right near the start there were clues that she doesn't want to be doing this for the rest of her life. She realises that this will probably only end badly. Yeah, Uh, it often does. Yeah, it often does. And she's looking to stabilise things as much as possible. So, she looks for a suitable emperor, one that could perhaps lead the troops and push back the invading forces. And I quote Celis again, She never so much as hinted her intentions to me. No doubt she held her tongue for shame. <laughs> That's the only possible reason. Yeah, uh, in other words, she did not want Celis interfering and attempting to put in place another bureaucrat who would want to keep him in power. Remember, Celis is all for the uh, the powerful being in power and him staying rich. Uh, uh, he does yeah. not want the military factions in charge. Eudocia, however, has realised that perhaps a military faction would be quite useful right now. And as it happened, there was a general named Romanos knocking around. Romanos was a very popular general, in fact. So popular that there had been a lot of talk recently of him attempting a coup. When it became obvious that this was actually more than just a rumour, that Romanos was actually planning a coup, Eudocia (laughs) had him arrested. She then went and met him, and put forth a suggestion. Romanos would stop his coup attempt immediately, and she would marry him. He would become the emperor, co-emperor, along with her son Michael. Do you know what I would have done if I was Eudocia? What? Have him arrested, handcuffed, hands behind his back, and the soldiers march him straight to the Hagia Sophia with uh, Eudocia at the altar in a gown. It's like, ready! <laughs> uh, there's a problem with that. The oath. The oath. She can't get married. Uh, Romanos, probably amazed at this change in fortune of his, because he thought he was going to be blinded at the least, suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, I can still become emperor. I don't have to do a coup to do it. I just need to get married. Fair enough. But like you say, the the problem was not with Romanos, the problem's the oath. Eudocia had sworn in front of the Senate that she would not marry again. Now, the only way that she could get round this was if the Senate publicly released her from this oath. But the Senate was completely packed full of Celis' friends. Ah. Yeah, this was just never going to happen. The Senate are not going to turn. She hasn't got that kind of power. However, she has a think. There is another way. If the Senate doesn't release her from the oath, then if the Patriarch did, <gasps> then that would probably be enough to sway the Senate. Word from the head of the church himself. However, there's a problem. Cephilinus <laughs> was the Patriarch at the time, and he was no more likely to release Eudocia from her oath than the Senate were. Massive friend of Stellus. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was just no easier. No easier route. Unless, <laughs> this this part, I'm just laying it down right now, this part's impressive. Just do it anyway. I genuinely thought this episode was just going to be a very quick summary where we go, so not much yeah. happened, uh, but this is what's going on with the Turks. But when I started digging into it, this was the moment where I went, oh, I'm genuinely impressed. So there, oh. there she is. How does she get out of this oath? The Senate are not going to release her. The Patriarch's not going to release her. She would need to find some sort of conflict. Now, because John Ducas, right? Yeah. He's, he took an oath to look after and make sure the sons became emperor. Yeah. If she doesn't marry, she can say Romanos will do a coup and kill those sons. So he will break his oath. He won't be able to achieve it unless I marry him. Nice. Could she do it that way? To get John Ducas on board. Yeah, and just, and just you know. Yeah, just John say, well, Ducas is very much not on board. Oh, okay. Celis' friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, brother of Constantine. Yeah. Good. I like it. It's a good suggestion because I think my answer no. to that question would just have been a shrug. I have no idea how you get around this. This is what she does. Through whispers and rumours, perhaps just outright lies to his face, mm-hmm. she gets word to the patriarch. She wants to remarry and she wants to wed none other than the patriarch's brother. Now, apparently, uh, we've not come across him yet. Uh, Apparently, (laughs) 
Zephilinus's, so the patriarch's brother, was a bit of a looker and had a way with the ladies. So Zephilinus was ready to believe this and could not believe his look. Two brothers, the patriarch and the emperor. That family oh. could establish a dominance that would keep them in power for generations. This is amazing. Yeah, there was an oath, but if my brother could become the emperor whilst I'm patriarch, I'm prepared to waver that oath, of course. Cephilinus practically tripped over himself, rushing to persuade the members <laughs> of the Senate that the oath Eudocia made was not good for the state. It was a selfish choice of a dying man. <laughs> of course we can release her from the oath. And it works through backroom deals and persuasions and various things that we're not privy to. But enough were persuaded, and Eudocia was released from her oath. Brilliant. At this point, she sends for Celus. Celus, <laughs> during all of this, was staying very coldly distant, clearly feeling betrayed. Still, he went when summoned, and what follows is one of the most fascinating accounts so far in all of Celus's history, or at least in my mind it is. Oh, by the way, I'm not sure when Cephilinus uh, finds out that his brother's not in the running. I would have liked yeah, to have been a fly in the wall during that. <laughs> Do you think Jinga's slow, depressed, like, oh, yeah. well, nah! <laughs> rage? Who knows, but uh, he can't have been happy. But anyway, uh, back to Celus, quoting about his uh, trip to the palace to talk to Eudocia. When we were alone, she spoke with me with tears in her eyes. You must be aware, she said, our loss in prestige and of the declining fortunes of our empire, with wars constantly springing up and barbarian hordes ravaging the whole of the east. How can our country possibly escape disaster? Now, Celus, obviously playing for time, and also not aware that Romanos was literally waiting in the wings of the palace, replied <laughs> the following... Well, this requires careful consideration. Better propose today and listen tomorrow, as the proverb says. In other words, let's not be hasty. Let's slow down. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you advice, Eudocia. Just uh, wait till tomorrow. I'll, I'll come round when I hash it out. I'll carry on. Apparently Eudocia replied, The matter has been considered already, and the decision is made. Romanos, the son of Diogenes, has been invited to rule as emperor, in preference to all others. Now, to Celus's credit, he does not hide his uh, response. I'll quote, Her words filled me with instant consternation. I could not conceive what would become of me. <laughs> yeah, he knows that this is a uh, bad luck yeah. for, for his faction and his power. It, this will be yeah. his downfall. So he, feeling the uh, sands shifting beneath him, Again, played for time. He starts to say that the next day he would come round and advise her on the matter once more. Uh, again, let's not, let's not rush into this. <laughs> Eudocia replies, Not tomorrow, but now. Give me your support. Celis replies, But uh, your son, the emperor who will presumably one day govern the empire alone, does he not know what's happened? At this point, Eudocia admitted that Michael doesn't know all the details, but has a general gist. Right. And attempting to get Celis on side, because she does want Celis on side here, uh, so because she doesn't want to have to fight him and his faction, she attempts yeah. to put this line of argument down immediately. Again, I'll quote, Well, I'm glad you mentioned my son. Let's go up to him together and explain how things stand. He's sleeping above in one of the Imperial apartments. So then Celis tells us how he was trembling as he went to Michael Chambers. He doesn't wow. say why he's trembling, through fear or just through the weight of the situation. Probably. Uh, yeah. According to him, Michael was awoken and took the news in his stride. Presumably he already had an inkling of what was going on. And then Romanos suddenly appears at the door. Uh, ah, hello. <laughs> I am Romanos. Uh, <laughs> Michael and Romanos embraced, although Michael apparently was fairly formal and businesslike about it, uh, yeah. but goes along with it. But interestingly, according to Celis, Michael then gives Celis a very suspicious look, almost as Ooh. if to say, What are you up to, Celis? I don't trust you're here. Nice. Anyway, then, because you've been waiting for him to turn up in the story for the whole time, John Ducas is then summoned. Hey, John. Hey. hey, John. And he's informed, and as Celis says, never were his diplomatic qualities seen to better advantage. <laughs> John Ducas is informed of what's happened and puts on his poker face immediately. But just mm. know there's a little eye twitching there. 
<laughs> he is yeah. not happy about this at all. Ah, uh, oh, splendid! So Eudocia weds Romanos and then steps down as the emperor. Uh, she she becomes the empress role once more and passes the power on to her husband and her son. And although mm. more things happen in her life, I don't want to ruin the story, so we're just going to stop there. Okay. So there you Ooh. go, that's, that's Eudocia. Interesting lady. She uh, she knows how to fight, doesn't she? Or politic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like I say, I'll admit, I wasn't expecting much. She's not around for long. But when she was there, she shaped things very mm. well. I, I'm, I'm seriously impressed. Uh, so saying that, let's rate her. Yeah. Maximus. Right, well, obviously nothing, like, fighty-fighty, uh, no. but, I mean, she obviously knows her politics. Can we argue she's fighting much? Mm, I, I, or I don't she play the game? Yeah, I think it more falls into success as Ultimus, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we can really give anything in this round. She's, she's good at, like you say, playing the game, but she wasn't fighting against something because she was too quick. No. She got out the out the stocks immediately and just organise things. So, yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, no. I just don't think we can. Uh, nope. I agree. Okay, next round. Rarely, in the one thousand years of the empire, have we seen a ruler who comes across as so sensible. Y- yes. She yeah. she literally went. There's a problem facing the empire. I'm not the best person equipped to deal with it. Nor is my son. Let's get someone else in instead to deal with it then. Yeah, what logic? And yeah. I mean, when, when, when do you ever, ever see that? So no, it's no points in this round. Absolutely Sorry, not, yeah. Eudocia, no points. Next. Success Ultimus. Okay, now this is her round. She's not in charge for long. She does not personally change the misfortunes of the Empire, but what she does, she does incredibly well. Yes. When she assumed power, Celus and Constantine had a tight reign on the government. The pro-military faction of Isaac had been all but destroyed. Then Constantine, on his deathbed, had stopped Eudocia from doing anything but be a stopgap before Michael was in power. Yeah. Then, as backup, his brother John was put into place, swearing an oath as well. Remember, he's very much part of the same faction. So Eudocia comes in with no real power, no ability to manoeuvre whatsoever. And also, you could argue, why would she want to? Because surely she's part of the same faction. And then, in an incredibly short time, Eudocia turned a potential coup around, because Romanos was attempting to coup... She escaped the oaths that were restraining her, and she established a potential enemy as a pillar of support for her sons. Not only that, but the Empire is now in a stronger position to face the problems in the East than when her husband had died. Now, for all that Celus has been manipulating things for quite a while, he was simply just outplayed by Eudocia. Completely. And then, once she'd done everything she wanted to do, she stepped down. Yeah. I am hugely, hugely impressed. It was almost Washington sort of style, wasn't it? The fact she was able to just go, I'm done now. Yeah. I mean, you could argue she had little choice. I mean, once the husband had been put into place, she would struggle to maintain the levels of power that, that she had. Also, again, I don't want to ruin the story, but a couple of other things do happen. It's not the last we see of Eudocia. Um, but I would argue, because reading ahead, I don't think anything that happens in the future would really change our opinion of her in this round. No. So that's why I'm not going to go into that. Um, so, what do you think? I don't think I was, cause in the past we always said success was also about how the average person felt in the Empire. Yeah. We've said that. You can imagine maybe the, the mutterings going around would have been along the lines of, well, that's a good decision to make. We do need someone that can fight if we're losing space and losing yep. empire. So three or four. Oh, you're going that low. Yeah. Oh, see, I can't go to the higher numbers because it doesn't have that huge an impact on the empire. Although getting Romanos in place is actually a very important thing. Yeah. There is a big invasion coming. They need to get ready. She puts a general in place that can do it. Yeah. That is hugely important. But she doesn't change the fortunes completely. So I'm not going into the upper numbers. But for me, the upper numbers are 8, 9, and 10. I would argue that with what power she had, 
she does incredibly well. She started without being able to manoeuvre whatsoever, and she mm. organised everything so there was a better-placed emperor in place. Going right. against her own faction for the good of the empire, she protects her sons, but also strips from them power for their own good. I, yeah. I am going for, and I've written it down, so the number wasn't swayed by yours. I'm going for a seven. If it's seven, yeah, you you don't seem as impressed as I am. No, I think it's more sort of her personality rather than it's more cold hard logic in approving Crazium than I think of successors personally. So I'm going to stick with my four. Only a four. Well, I don't think we have uh, diverged this much in points ever. No, uh, that, that's quite a big one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe two different ideologies of what maybe the round perhaps means, but that's not a bad thing. Maybe I, in my head, I think. Uh... The Empire's in a better place than it was when she started, and she achieved everything she wanted to achieve. But we, I, well, I said, I don't know if it is actually better place, or it's just, uh, it's all going to go... No, 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 ignore that, <laughs> ignore that. Ignore what's yeah. going to happen, because if you know what's going <laughs> to happen, it will make a difference. But I'm completely ignoring no. that. The fact is, there was a massive Turkish invasion on its way, and they had a child with no experience in charge, they now have one of the most popular generals in the Empire in charge. It doesn't mean good. No, and we'll get into Romanos's story <laughs> next time. Uh, but, I mean, if, if you're going to choose one, you're going to go for the uh, the general, aren't you? Yeah. And, and she does it whilst we'll follow. keeping her own family in power as well. Yeah. So, I'm impressed. So, there you go. Uh, that is a total of 11, then. Yeah. Okay, next round. Image of Got an interesting one. Is that Celis in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's that's funny. Uh, but unfortunately, no one else can see it. Uh, this is a relief. <laughs> We've got a relief going on. Whittled no, away. No, I the toilet. So. Uh, <laughs> whittled away from word. We have Romanos and Eudocia standing on the floor, oh. and then raised above them is Jesus Christ himself crowning them. Or maybe it's Celis. I mean, it's hard yeah. to say. Yeah, one and uh, the same. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, it's actually quite hard to figure out who's who, unless you really know your, um, I, your differences so I would... between the dress. But actually, their name is written above it, which I've only just I was going to say, it must be on the right, surely. <laughs> yes, it's the one that says Eudocia above it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's her on the right. Uh, but there we go. That's a lot more detail than we're used to. That is, yeah. That's, that quite is, nice. that's looking pretty good. Um, she's wearing... Your classical Byzantine Roman garb, lots yep. of squares and circles with uh, the little pigtails on the crown. Uh, she doesn't have I a mean, nose, that seems to have worn away, which is a shame. No. Um, she looks like she's standing back against the wall and holding a plate against the wall, the back of her head. Oh, yeah, that's her halo. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. plate halo. She looks like she's. Uh, it looks like her Romanos are in, the, in a bit of a dance routine, it must be said. See, I was thinking, it looks like Romanda's saying, oh, I'm this big, and she's going, what, this big? Yeah, maybe. Kind of maybe one of them just caught a fish, and they're trying to figure yes, out how big the yeah. fish is. Because exactly, they do have their yeah. hands out in a kind of, what, it was this big? No, yeah. it's this big. Yeah, uh, Yeah. well, there you go. Um, it's different. We've not seen anything quite like this before. No, it's nice. I quite like it. I like it. I think it. it's really nice. Uh, but it's a shame she doesn't have a nose. Uh, <laughs> Well, nor did one of our previous emperors, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Jesus' face has uh, kept all its details remarkably well. He's still got all his features. I'd like to think the reason why she doesn't have a nose is because at some point in history, uh, this became lucky in the sense <laughs> that people walked past it and just rubbed Eudocia's nose for good luck. And nice. it has slowly, over the, the years, worn her nose down. So I'm going to say she's got a lucky nose. Fair enough. Yeah. Um... I'm I'm going. See, it gets bonus points for just being interesting and yeah. different to what we've seen. I'm going to say eight. seven. Oh, I was going to go for eight. Oh, you're going for eight. Fair enough. Yeah. Three point seven five. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Next round. Temple How long do you think she lasts for? Oh, I think a good few years, but not super long. I guess like two years, two three years. I see. Maybe this is why. Uh, I'm slightly more impressed than you are. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be generous and say a year. Uh, one six seven to one six eight. She does this oh. very quickly. She, she very quickly sorts everything out. Hmm. Yeah. 
See, maybe in the future, though, because that might, that might change my success score. It's not going to, but it could. Like she actually did. She did do quite a lot of manipulation well, in a year. Because I have I'm not changing it. Because I have unusually <laughs> stopped before the end of her life. Uh, let's keep this one slightly open, because okay. she's not dead yet, and she does come back into the story. So if you change your mind in Romanos's episode or her son's episode, uh, then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it vaguely open. Uh, but okay. for now, uh, that is a score of 0 0.13 for this round, and that gives her a total score for now of 14.88. Not a bad score for a stopgap regent emperor. Yeah, it beat what I thought it was going to be, my prediction at the beginning. Come on then, my predictions. predictions. What, what did you say? My was... You said, I'm trying to read this. I was, hang on, where, where, where am I looking at? Oh, you th oh, so you went for her total score. You didn't do the rounds. Yeah. You thought she was no. going to get 3.5. In total, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. She she mm. destroyed that. Okay. Yeah. Now we need to talk about Jeanne César. Do they have a certain César? I am more than willing to give it to her. Really? It has been a while, but that should not be the reason you give <laughs> Jeanne César. That's true. I have not been as impressed by the actions of an emperor for quite some time. Sorry, keep talking. She's not in charge for long, and she doesn't make a huge impact, but she does what she can do incredibly well and quickly. That is true. I also love the fact that she just completely outplays Celus. So I'm looking for Genesis our coin. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, right, okay. I think we need to... I think we need to flip for it. <laughs> Let the gods decide. Are you not feeling this one then? Um, I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't feel it's as impressive as other people that have achieved NACs are. Sorry, I'm currently looking for the coin. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. That's what all the banging and the moving around is. This drawer really needs a clean out. Is it definitely in the drawer? Uh, oh, yes, yes, it is. I found it. Hey. I hate it when people say, oh, it was in the last place I looked. Well, of course it was. You don't keep on looking, do you? Um, <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> Just to prove them wrong. Um, okay. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, oh, there it is. There's the coin. It's not come out for a very long time. Uh, no. Maybe, maybe I've... Uh, I don't know why. I've, I'm just feeling something with Eudos here. I, I just get the impression that she is a very, very sensible person who took one look at the Empire and went, how can I make this Empire a better place? And it might be to sacrifice my own power to do it, so that's what I'm going to have to do. And that you, is Jeanne César worthy. You love a good uh, selfless act, don't you? I'm reminded of Otho. That's who I'm reminded of. You remember Otho right at the start, Year of the no. Four Emperors? <laughs> And he realises that if he drags that civil war on for any longer, countless oh, people yes. will die just for his vanity. So after his one attempt, rather than uh, just dragging the war on, he goes upstairs with a long book and a toaster and runs himself a bath. Or mm. some other <laughs> method of suicide, yeah. I can't quite remember. And okay, it's not quite the same story, but that's I'm reminded... Uh, in some ways, it's slightly better, because not only does she do this, you know what, let's step back from power, because it's what the Empire needs, but she cleverly arranges it so her family is still in power. She mm. knows she knows that a coup is inevitable, so she works it to her advantage, so the person who was doing the cooing now actually fully supports her son. That is a lot better than most emperors we've come across. That is very true. It is very selfless, but it's one act. Yeah, she was only emperor for a year. Not a huge impact on history. I can understand why you'd argue against it. I can. But I'm arguing for it. I'm more than willing to flip the coin mm -hmm. and go with whatever answer it comes out with. Well, it's either that or I just keep telling you my opinion forever. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're gonna, we'll go with the coin. Oh, I'm going to be sad if you don't see it doesn't get it, though. I, I, I thought this was a dead cert, but never mind. We'll see. Nope. So flip again. Three, two, one. Oh, Jeanne César. Yes! Utopia's got, got it. it. I mean, let's face it, she's going to be tumbling off the chariot fairly early on whilst uh, when we're doing our, our knockout she rounds. She takes the first corner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she might not last very long in the knockout rounds, but you know what? I think she deserves it. I think so. But just sensibly well, sorting stuff out. I don't think so, out. but it's fair enough. <laughs> no, you don't. But you're bound to the will of the gods, so... Yes. That's what I like to see. Right, okay. Um, so that's Eudocia. Well done, Eudocia. But we've got a little bit more to do. <gasps> we do. 
We do. Now, that episode was longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, because when I dived into it, there was actually more there than I realised there would be. Uh, but the good news is, the summing up of the Turks section was actually a lot shorter than I feared it would be, uh, because I thought I was going to have to spend a lot of time diving <laughs> into this. But when I actually cut off all the chaff, it's a fairly straightforward story. So let's figure out what's going on with the Turks in the East, shall we? So I don't need to keep saying, don't worry, I'll explain this later. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Quick recap and explanation on what is going on in the East. Uh, I've been talking about the rising threat of the Turks for quite a while now, and Romanos has just assumed the throne to deal with the threat. Yeah. So, who are they? Where have they come from? What are they up to? We ask. Well, Turkish peoples are a collection of ethnic groups that mainly come from Central Asia. This is the first line you'll read on the Wikipedia page. Nice. Yeah, I read that and went, uh, no, we need more detail, uh, more more precise detail. Let's not cover all Turks of all time. So I honed in, <laughs> I honed in, Jamie. Fair enough, that's, that's good, <laughs> good, thank you. Because thank there are obviously a lot of different groups uh, of Turkish peoples, and those groups are debated, and we don't need to go into all that. All you need to know is that roughly we're talking about an ethnic group from Central Asia. Okay. Uh, they are the Saljuk Turks, and the reason why they're the Saljuk Turks is that they're named after a previous leader, a Mr. Saljuk, which is, nice. I believe, how he introduced himself to people. I like, I like to think he's a librarian. Or yeah, something. yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, he he was uh, he was their leader, uh, a nomadic people, and he led their people uh, to the south of the Aral Sea, and when they were there, they converted to Islam, as many people. Almost everyone in the region did. Now, the area was undergoing turmoil at the time. As we've realised for a while, the Abbasid Caliphate has slowly fallen apart in a similar way that the West slowly fell apart. So, lots of fighting's going on between the Persian Muslim Samadids and the Turkish Muslim Harakhanids. Probably utterly butchering the pronunciation. Now, I'm not going to go into any detail here, just know that through getting involved in this struggle between these two groups of people, the Saljuks managed to establish their own independent base. They sort of muscled into the region whilst everyone was fighting, basically. Fast forward a couple of generations, and Saljuk's grandson, Tugril, is now in charge, along with his brother, Chagri. So you've got a pair of brothers uh, in charge. The Saljuks are now the dominant people in the region, and they start spreading westward right. into modern Iran and then Iraq. So in 1055, only about a decade or so before where we are in our story, uh, Tugril was invited to take over Baghdad. Invited? Got an invite through the post. Can you please come and take over Baghdad? Signed, love and kisses, the Caliph. Yeah. Which uh, Togrel then did. He went in with an army and took over Baghdad. You might be wondering, why on earth is the Caliph asking people to come and invade his own capital? Well, the Abbasid Caliphate has seen better days. And although the Caliph is still a thing, you still have a Caliph, it was now a puppet position and had been for the last 100 years or so. Again, think back to the fall of the West and how the Emperor essentially became a puppet position and we had all the powerful yeah. people behind the throne. Well, something similar yeah. is going on there. So the Caliph has no real power. He's a figurehead. And there is a, a different dynasty actually taken over the real ruling of the state. Right. Now, the Caliph is fed up of this, so invites the Saljuk Turks to come and take over. So when Tugrul and the Turks take over Baghdad in 1055, they immediately passed power back to the Caliph. No, they didn't at all, of course they didn't. <laughs> they kept the power for themselves and kept the Caliphs on as figureheads. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tugrul declared himself as Sultan, or mm. leader of strength, it could be translated as. So we now have Sultans. There we go. Nice. Yeah. So, although there is still an Abbasid Caliph, uh, it's not been wiped off the map. Uh, the Abbasid Caliphate still technically is there. It's not really the Abbasid Caliphate anymore. It's been right. taken over by the Saljuk Turks. They're in charge of the area. This area being modern Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan. It's a large space. So, in other ridiculously simplistic terms here, if the big scary empire to the east of the Romans was once the Parthian Empire, and then the Sassanid Persian Empire, and then the original Caliphate, and then the Umayyad Caliphate, and then the Abbasid Caliphate. Yeah. They're all the ones we've seen throughout our podcast. Yeah. Now know that it is the Saljuk Turks controlling a puppet Abbasid state. Wow. 
So in these previous episodes when I've been talking about Turks on the border, you might have just been mm. thinking small raiding group. Yeah, that's what I... Yeah, no, head. no, this is now the big scary empire to the east. That's right, who okay. it is. Ooh. Yeah. Right. Now, Tugrul then died in 1063, and his nephew took over. And this is the man who was currently in charge during our narrative. This is the very coolly named Alp Arslan. Say again? Alp Arslan. Now, Arslan, or Aslan, is a name you probably <gasps> will recognise. The lion! Yes, because Arslan, or Aslan means lion. Alpaslan or Alpaslan means brave lion. Not mountain lion. Uh, may- maybe a mountain lion as well. In my head, Alpaslan is just, he is just Aslan from Narnia. Yeah. Yeah. Although, considering he's meant to be a representation of Jesus, then maybe this wouldn't work since Alpaslan was Muslim, so maybe that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, but a lion, at least. He's definitely a lion. So there you go, you've got a lion, you've got a lion in charge. And uh, Arslan spent a few years setting up his empire, sorting out internal problems. Uh, he soon got on top of them, and then he looked outwards. The Romans. Let's get Arslan's perspective here, rather than being Roman-focused all the time. Yeah. Let's face it, the Romans have been a thorn in the side of the caliphate for quite some time now. That is true. They'd taken Antioch, relatively region, and regions in Armenia and Georgia that really should be part of the caliphate. Come on now. So it was time to go and sort those Romans out. One of the key fortified cities in defence of the Roman Empire was at the time a place called Ani. Now, Ani's a fortified city in Armenia, or at least it was in Armenia. The site is now in far eastern Turkey, but we're in that region. Uh, So... Arslan decides he's going to take it. He's going to use that as his base, and he'll use that to attack the Romans. Attiliates gives us a bit of detail of this attack. Now, Ani was a large, populous city surrounded by natural defences. Uh, deep gullies, impassable ravines, it made the city appear unconquerable. Uh, however, as covered in Constantine X's episode, Constantine had allowed the duke in charge of the area to skimp on provisions for the city. Ooh. Now, it would be very hard to take by force, but now the reserves of food for the city were dangerously low. And all the time, the ducks and his friends just became more and more wealthy as they were selling off the excess grain. So when Alparslan arrived with his entire army and surrounded the city, it was woefully unprepared. It did not help that the Armenian leader in the city and the representative from Constantinople had fallen out with each other, and were politically fighting. The citizens lost all hope as it became clear that they had no clear leader. They got the local leader, and they got the leader from the empire, and they were fighting each other. There was no clear structure inside the city. And also, there were not enough resources to last out a siege, and everyone very quickly realised this, including Arslan. Realising that morale was rock bottom, he attacked the gates, even though it seemed like it would be impossible to get through. Uh, it turns out it wasn't impossible to get through. Morale was so low that the city fell quite quickly. And then the slaughter begins. In fact, I quote Italiates here, The slaughter of those inside was beyond telling. No mercy was shown on account of age, sex, or creed. All were killed, from young and up. And a river of blood flowed through this pitiful and unhappy city. That's not nice. It's not, but to be fair, that's a Roman source. So uh, let's check in with a Turkish historian from Baghdad, who was actually there and witnessed it. Get both sides here. The city became filled from one end to the other with bodies of the slain, and the bodies (laughs) became a road. I was determined to enter the city to see the destruction with my own eyes. I tried to find a street in which I would not have to walk over the corpses, but it was impossible. Yeah, yeah, it turns out it was just a slaughter. This is not right. embellished from the Roman <laughs> historians, it would appear. It was just an utter slaughter. Now, if you remember in last episode with Constantine, I said bad news from the East. This was the bad news. That is bad news. Yeah. Uh, it was a huge blow to Constantine. But if you also remember, this was at the same time that Constantine received news of that huge, large invasion force from the North that they feared was mm. going to wipe them out. But yeah. then they suddenly all died of plague. So it just disappeared. (laughs) Uh, So Constantine didn't feel like he could deal with this at the time. But not good for Romans. For Arslan and the Turks, however, 
fantastic news. Brilliant. This is a mm. real hole in the defences of the Roman Empire. With this as a starting base, a real push into the Roman lands could begin. Then, of course, Constantine dies, and Eudocia came to power, and she started receiving news that the Turks were on the verge of a huge invasion, and nothing could stop them. She very quickly, within a year, managed to put in place an emperor who was in the best position to actually push back this force. Right. And that sets us up perfectly for Romanos' episode. Bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think it will go well? Uh, no. Um, it's the fact so that I, the I, area is now called Turkey on a map what's making you feel that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get a vibe. Um, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's looking bad. It's looking very bad. But Romanos, renowned general, so he should be able to push it back. Yeah. Okay. And that is where we'll leave it. We'll find out what happens next time. Thank you for downloading the episode. Yeah. Um, on Poppy, iTunes, Stitcher, and Amazon Prime. Yes. Um, if you have not, because you're one of those listeners who automatically skips interview episodes uh, because you just want to carry on with the narrative, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, go back and listen to the Rex Factor episode about Sulla. It was great yeah. fun to record. We talked about Sulla for it a was. bit. Uh, yep. But we also just chatted about stuff. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's weird seeing the parallels, actually. It's like, almost like a mirror image. What? You've got the, 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 the dark-haired one that yeah. records, does all the research, yeah. edits it, yeah. publishes it. Yeah. Then you get the other one that doesn't really do anything, apart from drop drinks on themselves and hurt yeah. themselves. The other one who is the firm favourite of the listeners, though. That's an important place to be. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have... Res- no, I don't, no, that's not true. I don't even have respect, Rob. I have nothing. You do. You definitely will. There will be lots of comments this week. Of people saying, I love you, Jamie. I want your babies. Nah. Or something similar. Right. Um, yeah, so go back and listen to that. You you, you have never spilt a drink... Oh, actually, no, I'm lying. You have spilt a drink all over yourself whilst oh, yeah. recording. I, yeah. I suddenly remembered it was an entire yeah. full glass of wine, wasn't it? That was it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, Stay in the sofa. Yeah, so... <laughs> You have done that. Um, yeah, no, you're right. The parallels are there, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> they really are. But anyway, go back and listen to that episode. Um, and finally, we did say we'd read out a couple of reviews, which we remember to do in the American series, mm. uh, but we forgot to do in the Roman series. So we're, we're going to do yeah. a, a two, two, should we do two? Yeah, let's do let's two. Let's do one from America and one from England. And if you live somewhere else, let us know that you left a review because I never check anywhere else uh, because it's awkward to check <laughs> yeah yeah okay uh this is by al prof uh, reuniting with friends five stars i listen to a lot of podcasts mostly historical and i look forward to listening when the new episodes come out however the anticipation of waiting for a new tr episode is very different listening to a new episode from rob and jamie is like reuniting with an old friend Aww. Especially in these stressful times when we need self-care, Rob and Jamie give me just the right dose of historical storytelling and laughs to make it through the week. That's nice, isn't it? That was nice. Yeah, that was that's very nice. nice. Okay. Graham Cracker Queen, five stars. One of the best <laughs> podcasts ever. Love the jokes. Keep doing it more. Also love you American Presidents podcast. So good. Anyway, thanks for hearing my opinion. No problem, Graham Cracker Queen. Yeah, no problem at all. Okay, uh, one more from this country. This is from the United Kingdom. Splendid five stars from Bumblebean101. Came here after I exhausted the American President's podcast. Like Jamie, I was never keen on Roman history. <laughs> uh, but my mind has been changed. Rob does a tremendous job at research and clearly puts a lot of effort into it. The pair have a good chemistry and a joy to listen to. And Jamie is my birthday twin. So that <gasps> obviously makes him awesome ah oh, yeah so is april 18th is that proper birthday well i'm, I'm guessing if that's your birthday oh. yeah or would no yeah no it'd have to be yeah. apparently then we're coeval that's what it means if we're on the same day you're coeval mm. i was suspected <laughs> i suspected you were evil and now this confirms yeah. it jamie yeah okay thank you very much for the reviews all very nice to hear that people are enjoying the show yeah so keep them coming thick and fast as it were yeah. And don't forget you can message us on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like to receive them. We don't always respond straight away, but we do try and get through them. I used to be so much better, but we've yeah. become so much more popular. It's actually starting to get quite hard to reply to literally everything and yeah. do do a life as well. It, it is just so hard being a celebrity. 
I mean, it is Jamie. It is. Omg. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So sorry if you have got in contact and we've not responded. Uh, we do mean to respond, but it is becoming disturbingly frequent that I see a message from about three weeks ago and I go, "Oh dear." I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we're sorry. We try our best. Anyway, on that weirdly apologetic end, uh, all that needs to be said is Duckass. Ducas. <laughs> Ducas. Goodbye. Bye. Brother, this is a great day. The name of Syphilinus will ring through the ages with me as patriarch and you as emperor. Nothing will stop our family. This is a great day indeed. I cannot wait to be married. She's fantastic. Yes, I I must say I am impressed, brother. You do know how to woo the ladies. Well, I do. I have my amazing hair, my large muscles, and my surprisingly large thighs. Why, yes, they run in the family. Well, they are legs. Tell me, brother. Tell me. What was it that she first saw in you, do you think, apart from, obviously, the thighs? Um, well, obviously, she must have seen me from a distance, as you told me she wanted a man. I'm, 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 I'm sorry, what? When you told me that she wants to get married to me, I said yes, and then, you know, she obviously wants me, a strapping young man. No, I'm going to stop you there, brother. What do you mean, yes. when you heard when I told you that I'm getting married no I didn't tell Today. you I did, I did not tell you you did you told me last Tuesday the Empress wants to marry you yes and you said yes I know well of course being a, a sexy young guy that I am my default position is yes of course I'm going to say yes if someone wants to be with me so just to be clear the reason why you think that these bells that are literally ringing right now Yes, for our wedding. Is because you think you're going to get married to Eudocia. And the only reason you think that is because I told you. Well, yes, it's my wedding day today. Look, I've got my best armor on. What does she look like? She she looks like that, brother. She's the one passing right now. Oh, the one in the white dress with... Is that Romanos? Yes, brother. That's Romanos. Romanos! What are you doing? She's mine! Hey, Romanos, come here! She's mine! I saw her first! I. Ow! <laughs> I. I think the plan has failed, brother. I have a black eye. Hello and welcome to America No. Hello and welcome to Roman Empress with House Rankium. I am Jamie. And I am Rob ranking all of the uh, Emperor. Yeah. And I'm Rob ranking all of the Emperors. They are Emperors, they are Emperors. And I'm Rob ranking all of the Emperors from Oh God, what is wrong? I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. I feel Jamie. it, I feel it, I feel it. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Rob's internet's gone. He doesn't know where it is. He's waiting to get back on. I want to hear about the Romans. I want to hear about the Romans. At the moment, I'm not learning about the Romans. Rob's internet's gone. Rob's internet's gone. It's all gone, it's all gone, it's all gone. Rob's internet's gone, Rob's internet's gone. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone. It's back! Yeah, my, my internet just completely went down then.